Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. We're going to read the chapter again, 10 verses, then I'll have you be seated, but 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 1, and uh, we're going to dive into this. Now remember, we're giving perspective, perspective to a persecuted, a new persecuted church, and this is the letter of Thessalonians to a church in Thessalonica. Thessalonians, chapter number 1, and verse number 1. You all there? Very good. Let's read together here. Follow along. Paul and Silvanus, that's Silas, and Timotheus, or Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to you all, unto God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, notice that, brethren, beloved, it's a family, right? It's a family, a church family, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. So that ye were in samples or examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we have not need to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's be seated. Father, thank you. Thank you for your good word tonight. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the verses that are shared, the testimonies, what you're doing in our hearts. Thank you for the strength that you give. Now, Lord, we thank you for this word that you have opened up in front of us. And we pray that you bless it to our hearts. And I pray that you be with those that are not able to be with us. Lord, I pray that you draw those that, that need to be. And I pray that together, Lord, we continue to grow together in you, that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, Lord, I pray that 
um, faith would come by hearing and hearing by this, the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this letter that is being written is from the heart of Paul because he's so burdened for them. He's only started this church just some months ago. Uh, and remember, it's in, it's in the second missionary journey. He's traveled through and he received the Macedonian call. And uh, that Macedonian call was a vision from God. Don't go over into Asia Minor and the areas around that. But we want you to go up into Macedonia. And Paul went there. He went to Philippi from, from the area of Troas there. Went to Philippi. And then he passed through a couple of other small towns and got over to Thessalonica, which was a main, a main hub. It was actually the, the capital of Macedonia. It was the Roman seat. It was the governor over there. It was a trade route. So it was a very pivotal place for the gospel to come to and the gospel to spread from. So Paul was very obedient to what the Lord had told him. But when he got there, just like over in Philippi, he, re, um, he faced opposition over there. He faced opposition as well in Thessalonica. Remember, he was there for how many Sabbath days preaching the gospel? Three Sabbath days. And they about ran him out of town. The religious leaders of the day be, um, began to say, we don't like this guy. And those that have turned the world upside down with this doctrine of Jesus Christ have come here also. And so Paul had to flee by night. And so he left behind a young group of believers. Remember, Timothy was left behind when Paul ran over to um, Berea with Silas. And then Paul sent uh, Silas back over to be with Timothy. And, and the Bereans took Paul some 200 plus miles down to Athens and then ultimately to Corinth. And so Paul's on his way and, and Silas and Timothy are left there to nurture the church in Thessalonica, which I think is pretty awesome that a teenager was able to be a part of that ministry. Uh, Timothy being just a young, a young man, but God put a lot of responsibility on him and Silas as a, as a lay person just to do the work in the ministry there and to care for them. But when they came down and joined up with Paul in Corinth, all the way down, those 200 and some miles away, they said, hey, Paul, these folks need some perspective. Uh, they need some encouragement. So Paul said, get me a, get me a parchment, get me a quill, I'm going to write a letter. And it wasn't an email, wasn't a uh, Facebook Live, it was just a letter of what they had in that day. How practical it is, God's word can be and the ministry can be, it's just using the tools that are right in front of us. And so Paul begins to write out this letter. And the heart of it was, I want to help establish these folks. I want to give them a perspective. And the ultimate perspective, go back over to, uh, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13 and following. Remember what Miss Mary just mentioned a moment ago. That verse about the trump of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord in the air. And so these Thessalonians were wondering, hey, we're in the midst of all this, and some of our own folks that have believed have, have died. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. I want you to have the big perspective that you will one day be with Jesus. If you die, you'll be in the um, presence of Jesus. If you're in the grave, when Jesus comes back, he's going to resurrect you. If you're, uh, if you're alive, when he comes back, when he comes back for the rapture, he's going to rapture you into, uh, into his presence, and it's going to be a wonderful thing. I want you to have this big perspective is what Paul's trying to deal with. And it is a wonderful perspective to have that Jesus is coming again. It's a wonderful perspective to keep in mind. And this was something that Paul was ultimately focused on getting across to the Thessalonian believers. But here tonight, I really want to, in this chapter, I want to I note, Paul begins to give perspective to them as he commends them about their faith. Where did it all start? Uh, what, what is God doing in your heart? You know, we can get a lot of perspective there as well. Sometimes we get burdened down about where we are in life. 
But maybe if we go back to where it all started, our, our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the day that we got saved, and what changes he's been making in our life, what a difference we can see. Oh, yeah, God's been doing something very special over the years in my life, and that gives us a perspective that we ought to stand on, a perspective that helps us to face adversity. And Paul's going to go back to their faith. You remember, we just met not too many months ago. And we talked about the gospel, and you received the gospel, and it's made a wonderful change in your life. And it's not just made a wonderful change in your life, but it's made a wonderful change in the lives of others through your testimony. And Paul just commends them for their faith. I want you to notice in the first couple verses, Paul commends them for a notable faith, a notable faith. Look at verse number two with me. He says, we give thanks always to God always for you all. Now, there's some people we might not want to give thanks for. But Paul wanted to give thanks for the Thessalonian believers. Now, we should give thanks for all things. Isn't that what the Bible says at the end of this book? We sh- in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in, in Christ Jesus concerning you. We are to give thanks for all things. But Paul here says, I, I always, anytime I come to prayer, I stop, Lord, thank you for the Thessalonian believers. Thank you for what they're doing, uh, you're doing in their lives. Friends, when you see God at work in somebody's life and it's not you manipulating it, it's a wonderful thing and it's something to rejoice about and give thanks about. And I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to allow you to be on the front row in somebody's life where you're seeing God change their life, you're seeing the Spirit of God work in their life, the Word of God work in their life, and you're able to say, God, thank you for what you're doing in their life. Not just in yours, but in theirs. And Paul looks at their life and says, God, you are wonderful, and I give thanks to you for what you're doing in the Thessalonians' life. They were heathens before him. They're involved in a godless society, but I thank you for the change that you're bringing to their life. So Paul was inspired to gratitude. The hearts of Paul, Silas, and Timothy were inspired to gratitude. He says, we give thanks. We give thanks when we're praying for you. Now, What was this faith that they were giving thanks for? It was a Godward faith in verse number three. Look at it with me. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of who? In the sight of God and our Savior and our Savior and our Father. You understand here tonight that Paul was noting to them, I give thanks because your faith isn't something you're just doing for me. Your faith is something you're doing in the sight of God. I haven't been there. I had to rush out of town. You all had to help me get out before before I got in trouble. You, You all remember how this went down. I had to leave town under the cover of night. And when I left, they were so mad about Christianity spreading in Thessalonica. They found one of the new believers, Jason by name, and they drug him out of the house. You all remember that. I thank God that you didn't get deterred. I thank God that you've stayed on. And that your faith, your your activity in the Lord has continued on even without my presence. It's been in the sight of God. Did you notice these virtues that were called out here? He calls out their work of love, their, um, their work of faith, their labor of love, and their endurance or their patience of hope. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 with me. And verse number 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse number 13, and we'll read all this out loud together, but I want us to notice at this end of this wonderful chapter about love and about the virtue of love and the need of love in our own lives because without love, we're nothing, the Bible says. Without charity, without sacrificial love, we have nothing, we are nothing. We can say the right things, but without love, 
we come off just like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, something a, a little bit of annoyance, something like, can you imagine someone learning a brass instrument and you live in a two-bedroom apartment? Not very fun. But that's what, that's what, that's what uh, Christian life, speaking the truth without love, is like. Just kind of off. It's just not melodious. It's not encouraging. It's not inviting. You all there at 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Let's read it together. Ready, begin. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. You know, the Bible's speaking about calling out Christian virtues, things that ought to be a part of our lives, faith, hope, and charity, or love, sacrificial love. And he says, I've, I've noted that this is going on in your life. I've noted that your Christian faith, your Christian life, your living is full of faith, hope, and charity. And it isn't just because you want Paul to see it or Silas to see it or Timothy to see it. You're doing this in the sight of God. Now, that's the way that we ought to live. We ought to live for God, not just for others. We ought to live for God, ultimately for him. Our lives ought to be in the sight of God. They were laboring. They were living for God, not for Paul, and may we do the same. May we have a heart to live, not just so those around us in the church will see it, but that God will see it. You know, character is what we are when no one else is around. Character is who we are in the dark. And may we have a constant thought going through our minds. God is watching me. God is watching me. Unfortunately, sometimes you and I, we're sad because someone else saw us do something we shouldn't have done. As opposed to being sad because our God saw us and knows what we have done. And so their faith was God word and it was in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and the father. And they were living out these these Christian virtues. They were working by faith. They were laboring. They were toiling. They were they're putting in the effort in love. And they were enduring through affliction, through, uh, and, and their endurance was inspired by their hope. They, they were enduring, saying, I, we're going to keep pressing forward. We're going to keep doing the right thing no matter what comes. So they had a Godward faith, but a spirit-enabled faith in verse number 4 and 5. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For a gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. So their faith wasn't something that Paul manipulated. Now let me just encourage you about something tonight. I've had to come to this multiple times, and perhaps you have as well. But you know, we get so burdened down to try to try to say the right thing to a person to get them to believe in Jesus Christ or to get them to have a, a, a growth spurt in their Christian life. You know what? The fact of the matter is, spiritual growth comes by the Holy Spirit of God at work in a person's life by the Word of God. And you and I might not be the person that's able to say the, the exact right thing. It might be somebody else that says, um, says that spirit-enabled thing. I was talking to my pastor friend when we were marching the March for Life, and, and I was talking about preaching. We are talking about some of our, our ways of studying. He goes, you know, one time this happened to me. He goes, I preached a message. And it, it, it went okay. And about, about two weeks later, the Lord was impressed upon my heart to preach that same message. I was like, what? Preach that same message. So he did. He says, the next time I preach it, 
God worked in such a marvelous way. The altars were flooded. People were uh, emotional in tears. It, it, it had moved upon the, the crowd. And on the way out of church, someone came up to him and said, Pastor, you should have preached that earlier. I said, my tongue, I bit my tongue. I had. <laughs> but you know what? It just proves the fact, and it humbles us to realize it's God that does the work. It is God that does the, the efforts. I remember not too long ago, a, a young man had come through the church, and I had preached up at the college, and uh, I didn't think anything particularly had happened through that, that time, and they were asking me about preaching, and I, I, I said, you know, as a preacher, there's a lot of times you, you walk away, uh, you know, did I, did I do what I needed to do, did I, did I say the right thing, and there's a, there's a whole set of, of struggle that goes on in a preacher's, preacher's heart, and I was being raw with him because I wanted him to understand the life of a preacher isn't always you feel like, man, got that done, right? And no, very rarely. And he goes, you mean you were struggling and all that? That message changed my life. I'm like, I had no idea. But it was God's word that did that work. And it's the same for us. And their, their faith had happened because the spirit of God had showed up when Paul preached the word of God, the gospel of God. And God did something wonderful in their lives. And Paul's saying, when we came to you, your election, your salvation, it wasn't something we manipulated or we made happen. It happened because God showed up. The Holy Spirit showed up. And you know what? We need the Holy Spirit to show up at work this week and in our conversations this week, in our, in our homes this week. We need the Spirit of God to show up. Don't you agree with me about that? We need God to show up. We need Him to do a work through the words that he puts on our, our hearts. Let's not be afraid of this word election here and, 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 and the election of God. Do you realize Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world was slain? God had promised him from the foundation of the world and said, I'm going to send a redeemer and he's going to be the answer to all, of our, to all of your sins. He promised that to Eve. Do you remember that in the, in the garden? I'm going to send someone and, and, and he's going to bruise the, the head of the serpent and the serpent is going to bruise his heel. And it was, a, it was an initial promise. I'm going to send a redeemer. Jesus Christ was the one that God had chosen would be the redeemer of all mankind. And friends, tonight, all those who place faith in Jesus Christ and at that moment are placed into Christ with all my heart, I believe they're a part of the elect in the sense of they have responded by faith. There's people that teach that there's elect to heaven and elect to hell. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible does teach that Jesus Christ is the Ark of Safety. And those that believe on him have eternal life. Aren't you thankful for that? Whosoever will may come. And so Paul's simply speaking here of the election or the salvation that they have. They were in Christ. And the Bible talks to us about that. They being in Christ were new creatures. I'm thankful for the fact that we can respond by faith and be in Jesus Christ. So this work was not Paul's work. It was the Holy Spirit's work. The work of the gospel in our city and in your neighborhood is not your work, it's the Spirit's work. Let's pray to him about that. Let's ask him to show up in those conversations. That conversation where your neighbor comes across the, on the road to talk to you and to catch up, do you know that's not an accident? Those are divine appointments. And you ask the Lord right in those moments, Lord, would you help this conversation to steer? Help me to steer this conversation to things of you. Help me to be able to praise and testify of you. You with me about that? So important. 
made the Lord show up in those, those situations. He's the one that reproves the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's his work. Paul says, God was doing that in you. God was doing that. God the Holy Spirit was doing that in you. And what a notable faith they had. A Godward faith, a Spirit-enabled faith, a Spirit-worked faith, if you will. And I want us also to see it wasn't just a faith that they received. It was a faith they were active in. They were active in faith. Notice in verse number 6, it says, and ye became followers. You know a follower is someone that's moving along with you? You know, every once in a while, I'll be walking with somebody and, and they'll lag way far behind. Now, if it's my wife, I've just learned to walk a little slower, right? Right? I don't tell her to speed up with me. I, I just you know, walk a little slower. But sometimes I'll be walking with my son. Yeah, let, let's, keep, let's keep step here. Let's keep step here. You know, a follower is someone that's moving, moving along. And he says, you became followers. You became followers of me and of the, of the Lord. There was, a, there was an active faith here. They were engaging. They were, they were moving forward. They weren't content to just receive it and run off. They were moving forward. That's what each one of us needs to be. Active in our faith. Active in our pursuit of Christ. They were eager followers here in verse number 6. Paul didn't have to prompt them. Paul didn't have to coerce them. He didn't have to bribe them. He didn't have to say, well, this will be really, really, really great for you and, and sell it to them. They eagerly, they, they wanted to follow after him. In fact, the word follow here is the idea of imitator. Imitator. Any of you ever had a parrot? I used to have parakeets. In fact, I'd love to have one some, uh, someday again, but... There are too many critters at our house right now. But parakeets were fun, but they don't talk. Cockatiels will. My pastor had a cockatiel that said a few words. But you know, sometimes those, those parrots can parrot you, right? Isn't that, isn't that where we get the idea? They can imitate. And what you teach them, what you teach them, they'll, they'll, they'll spit back at you. Paul's saying of the Thessalonian believers, you became in, imitators of us and of the Lord and of the Lord. They, they were active in following. We want to do this because we've seen it in the life of the Apostle Paul. We want to preach the gospel because we've seen it in the life of the Apostle Paul. We want to endure through affliction because we've seen it in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul told the Corinthian believers, be ye followers of me, even as I am a follower of him. Paul did not want them to follow the bad things in his life. A preacher is not on a pedestal. A preacher is not perfect. A preacher is not superhuman. Paul wasn't saying, hey, I, I have it all together. I've attained. Uh, you ought you to follow me on the, all the ins and outs. No, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. And I love how the Thessalonian believers realized that ultimately they needed to follow the Lord. But they had a visible spiritual leader in their, in their presence in the life of the Apostle Paul. And so they followed, they followed us. They followed Paul, uh, uh, Timothy, and also Silas. And they followed the Lord, having received the word. Because they received the word, because their hearts were affected by the word of God, they began to follow. They were eager in this following. They were eager in their imitation of the word. Friends, do understand, they were just like the early church in Acts chapter number 2, that when they gladly received the word, they were baptized the same day they were added unto the church, and they continued steadfastly. They continued. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. Later on in the chapter, they continued gathering house to house. Those folks continued on. 
they were active in their faith. They were eager to follow forward. They were, they were going somewhere. Why? Because they had received the word. The word had done something in their hearts. And so it was the word that was ultimately driving them forward. It wasn't Paul's dynamic personality. Paul, in fact, said that when we entered in, we weren't, we weren't much to speak of. You know the manner of men that we are. We weren't much to follow. But it was the Holy Spirit that was working in your life. And it was the Holy Spirit that was pushing on you by his word to, to follow forward and to follow the Lord. Did you notice here? It was their following was based on them receiving the word of, of God even under pressure. The word affliction is the idea of tribulation. Any of you have tribulation? Pressures? Burdens that you don't know what to do with? Says you receive the word even under pressure. And you followed forward, but it wasn't just just the receiving of the word, but you had you had the joy of the Holy Ghost. In other words, your submission to the Holy Ghost began to um, bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, which is, help me, love. Well, help me out. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, etc. So he, he says, you began to exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the early days of your Christianity, that joy, that joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit. You can't have joy in the midst of pressure and, um, and affliction apart from the Holy Spirit of God. Paul had told them, thank you for following us. You're following us. This is a good thing. You're eager followers. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 and verse number 7, remember them which have the rule over you who have spoken the word of, of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation, the goal of their conversation, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. They had done that. They had done that with Paul. They were following Paul and the rest and the Lord. And so may we. So may we. May we be good followers of good, good influences, of those that are following after Jesus Christ. But ultimately, friends, we must follow the Lord. We must follow the Lord. And we cannot do that apart from his word. We can't do that apart from being in his word this week. And it seems like so basic Maybe, you know, Christianity should be getting to a more intellectual level. Friends, it is so basic. We need his word in our daily life. And as you go into your, your Bibles this week, may the Lord help us to get at least one thing that we can take through that day and meditate on and live by. One thought. Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. Do you do that? I sure appreciate the idea of the soaps. Appreciate the, the consideration of the scriptures. What's that verse that God's saying, this is for you today? That soap, you write out the verse. Oh, for observation, what does this verse mean to me? What does this verse mean to me? What is God saying? That's the biggest question. What is God saying here? Hey, what is, how does this apply to my life? Application, how does this apply to my life? Uh, what would my life look like if I apply this, this verse of scripture into it? Peace. What's my request before God? What's my prayer before God? How am I going to ask him to help me put this into place this week? And S, who am I going to share this with? Who am I going to bless this? What God's just done in my heart, who am I going to bless I'm blessed with this. Who am I going to share? It's going to be a co-worker, family member, etc. But they had the word of God. They had received the word of God. And so they were following Paul and they were following the Lord. It was word 
base and it was an eager following. But notice in verse number seven and eight, they were remarkable examples. Their, their following of Paul had in turn resulted in them being examples to others. We can't be an example to others of Christianity if we're not following Jesus ourselves. If we're not following after his word ourselves. You know, if you try, you'll, you'll live a very empty Christian life. Oh, if I just do this because I need others to see me and follow me. I need to always say the right things so they, they do the right thing. I see this happen in, in, in some families. Well, I want my, my children to learn the word of God, but I won't take part in learning the word of God. You know what I'm talking about? God doesn't want us to live that way. He wants it to be in our heart and then make an effect on other people. And that's what was happening here. They had followed Paul, become an imitator of, of Paul. And then I want us to notice, look in verse number eight, uh, seven with me. So that ye were, what's the word? In samples or examples, okay? But here's this very interesting, very, very interesting. This in samples is the idea of a representative form or pattern often for imitation or replication. Often for imitation or replication. He says to them, so you've gotten to the point, you've been following us and the Lord. But now you are in samples to other people. You are actually worth imitating. You're, you are, you're a pattern worth being imitated for other people. So this isn't just something you, you've taken for yourselves, but you're, you, you should be duplicated. You're a pattern that other people are looking on and, and, and seeing faith and seeing the active faith in your lives and it's worth demonstrating. It's worth being duplicated in other people's lives. And so they were remarkable examples. The same word is used over in 1 Timothy 4 and 12 when Paul was writing to Timothy and saying, hey, you need to make sure that you don't let anyone despise you. Listen, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Paul was not saying, he's not telling Timothy to be arrogant and expect people to respect him without being respectable. He was saying, let no man despise thy youth. How? Be thou an example. Be something worth imitating. Be a pattern of the believers. Be, a, be an example of the believers in word, the way that you speak. Right now, this is, just, this is to a young man in the faith. Uh, uh, he's probably more than a teenager at that point, but... All of us can take from Timothy's life here this admonition. Be an example in your words, the way that you speak. Uh, your words should be imitatable. Is that a word? It, it should be worth duplicating. Well, I don't know. You shouldn't hang around them. The, the, the way they speak isn't very God-honoring. Paul said, no, Timothy, you make sure that your words are worth imitating. Uh, make sure that it's not just in word, but in your conversation, your whole lifestyle. That your whole lifestyle is something that can be imitated. It is something that can be a pattern for others to follow after. And also in charity, the way that you love, and in your spirit, your attitude, your, your whole demeanor. Ought to be something that others can say, I want to follow that. And when they follow that, it's as if they're following the word of God. It's as if they're following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this was how the, the new believers there in Thessalonica were. They were worth imitating. And this, this, this life, this testimony, this example had not just been something that was known in town, but it had spread throughout that whole region. I want you to think about this. This is really powerful. 
word travels fast. It seems like bad news travels quicker than good news. But here in this case, Paul said that the word of your testimony, the word of your faith, your examples have spread to Macedonia, not just Thessalonica, but Macedonia, and also to Achaia. Let's see the map again. Remember how far that was? Because in that day, here we are, Macedonia. Macedonia is like the Miami Valley or broader probably. The Midwest, maybe. But you realize, as I've mentioned before, down to Achaia where Corinth is, that region, you realize that's some 200 miles away. So as Timothy and Silas were traveling down and other believers, you wouldn't believe what's happening up there in Thessalonica. Those believers are following the Lord in such a powerful way. And, and people along the way were hearing about their faith up there in Thessalonica. And Paul says, your examples has not just been in Thessalonica, but it has spread throughout the whole region. It's gone far and wide. It has been a wonderful thing. And in fact, Paul uses the, the analogy or a word that's very powerful, the idea of sounded out. Sounded out. Uh, it's the idea of thunder. How many of you like a good thunderstorm? With, with a real good rumbling thunder, rolling thunder, right? All right, so you have the idea of sounding out. And, and, and the, also the idea of, of ring out, circulating audibly. Um, you might get the visual picture and, and, and when a rock is thrown into a pond and you have rings that go out. So that might be a visual picture of this idea. But the idea is that their faith, their examples was so vibrant, so real, so Godward, so eager that it was sounding out everywhere that people heard about the Thessalonians. They were moved by their faith and it had gone far. We want that kind of faith. That it blesses people, whether it's in Grenada, it's in Africa. You know, our missionaries, do you think they ever talk about some of their supporting churches? Sure they do. Do you think it's possible for what God's doing in our church for them to hear about and say, hey, listen, over there in the U.S., in Kettering, God's doing a work in that person's heart. We heard about this person leading this, uh, this um, person to the Lord and they're following after the Lord. That faith will spread. But the faith has to be there. It has to be real. It has to be Godward. And that's what the Thessalonians had. It wasn't a show. It was something that was deep and real. They were following after Paul, and therefore they had become examples, something worth imitating, and that was spreading out. And it is very interesting that it's, again, based on the word of God. Look at it with me. But in every place your faith, verse number 8, uh, for for from you sounded out the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not speak anything. We need not speak anything. We don't. Our job is done because your faith is spreading. And it's not just the testimony of your faith, but you're actually communicating the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord, that, that phraseology is just used here in these epistles. Paul often talks about the word of God, but here the, the word of the Lord and specifically the word, the message of the gospel is proceeding from their lips and is sounding out. It's ringing out. It's thundering out everywhere. What remarkable examples these folks were. No wonder Paul was commending their faith. 
One author said, in the ancient world, news spread as people traveled. Since Thessalonica was a commercial port, the news of the Thessalonians' response to the gospel message spread throughout Macedonia and Achaia. The plumbers were talking about it, and the, and the, the, grain, uh, the, the grain ship uh, uh, the team and, and crew was talking about it as they, as they came out of the port. And, and the different uh, the, you know, the guys that shooed the horses and so on, they were talking about it as they went from place to place. faith to Godward. Their faith was an example. Don't you want that kind of faith? I think we do. Oh, for such an exemplary faith like they had. Sometimes I think we spend more, more time trying to appear like something than being something. Right? We're worried about what people think of us. The exact opposite with the Thessalonians, they were it. And therefore, other people saw that and were moved by it. If we'll focus on the depth of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll, he'll take care of the breadth of our influence. And I, I think we all just need to pray and ask the Lord, deepen our faith. Right? Deepen our faith. In, help us to engage in our faith. Help us to be active in our faith. Let us not be sitting back, but let us be um, going forward in our, in our faith. And I want us to notice this one last thing. Uh, their faith was noted in prayer. They were active in their faith, and it was spreading in that region, but it was a transformative faith. It made a difference in their life, and Paul comes back to this, and he, and he kind of brings it back to, uh, uh, to helping them to remember your faith made a difference in your life. Now, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And I want us to realize they lived out this verse. They had a transformative faith. Their, their faith was changing them. It was changing them from the inside out. Uh, the idea of new it has, has a, um, the, 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 the thought process, the illustration of a, 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 the changing of a caterpillar from, to, a, to a butterfly. It's a completely new creature. It's a beautiful thing that happens. Placing your faith in Jesus Christ changes you entirely it's an entire change well that's what happened to them they not only had uh, received the the hope or the confidence of salvation but i want us to notice in verse number nine they had received a new purpose a new purpose look at verse number nine for they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned from god or turn to god from idols to serve the living god this idea of turning is a just simply leaving one thing and turning to another. So they had been engaged in all sorts of idolatry. But when Paul preached the message of the gospel, they said, oh, that's true. We accept that. We accept that. And they turned to God. Notice they turned to God. It wasn't a turning. We often hear this, this phraseology. We don't really see this in Scripture as much, uh, this phraseology of turning from sin. No, it was a turning to God. Oh, that's what I need. You can focus all day long on trying to rid sin out of your life, and you will get really frustrated. I just got to stop doing that. I got to stop worshiping that. I got to stop. No, what we ought to do is turn to Jesus, and when we turn to him, he'll take care of that. You, you remember? Um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will go strangely dim 
in the light of his glory and grace. What's the picture there? I just need to stop being so bent towards the world. No, look at Jesus. Turn to him. That's what they did. They turned to God from their idols, and God worked a marvelous deliverance. These idols couldn't help them. They've been praying to these idols all their life. You know, I love how the psalm says it. Their idols are silver and gold. They, they're work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses, but they smell not. They have hands, they handle not. Feet, they, um, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They, um, they that make them are like unto them. So is everyone that trusteth in them. They're, they're helpless. And the idols that we worship in our lives, whether it be entertainment or whether it be some person or some thought process about our lives, how we want it to look, they, it does nothing for us. But Jesus does. And they turn to God. But you know what? This turning to God wasn't just a, just a, oh, he's the one I need. They turned to God and they said, I want to serve him. Did you notice that? Their purpose changed. Their purpose changed in life. They got a new purpose, and their purpose was to serve the Lord, was to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, and it's exactly how it sounds. It is to be a slave. You know when Paul said to the Romans in the first chapter, in the first verse, he says, Paul, do you remember how he introduced himself? A servant of Christ. A servant of Christ. A slave of Christ. Well, how do you introduce yourself? I find people that, you know, we want to know, you know, what we've accomplished or what we do for a living. But, you know, the most important thing is who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. Not what we've accomplished, but I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we keep that frame of reference. So they had a new purpose in life, and it was to serve Jesus. And that's what our purpose is. That's what your purpose is to be, to serve him. How are you going to serve him this week? How are you going to enact that, that purpose this week? But then notice, and really awesomely, verse number 10, they had a new hope, a new hope. You know, the world's hopeless. They look at the things that are happening, and they get undepressed. One of the things that we made a goal today was to get our eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing, nothing ever can, nothing ever will overcome the Lord our God. This is my Father's world. Trust Him. Crown Him with many crowns. He paid it all. If he, can, if he can take care of all my sin, then he can take care of anything else. And we've been affirming these things throughout the day. Why? Because we look around and it's, it's full of turmoil. I heard this afternoon there was an officer-involved shooting here in Kedron. makes my heart sad that something came to that. There's turmoil everywhere we look. But, you know, as a believer, we have a new hope. And it's a hope the world does not have. Now, it's interesting, as we get through life, oftentimes we look forward to things. We look forward to weekends. We look forward maybe to a gathering together, a, a party of some sort, a, a promotion a, 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 at work, or uh, something that we're going to get in the mail, maybe something we're going to get from Amazon. You know, you just wait. It's like Christmas every day you know, when, you, when you order there, right? We look forward to different things. When you're a, a kid, boy, I just want to be a teenager. Just want to be a teenager. You remember those days? just want to be a teenager just when i can just get to 10 years of age get into the double digits then it's a long time to the triple digits and you get to be a teenager and you realize wow 
there's more responsibilities. There's life change and there's confusion and there's I, I feel like I'm in trouble all the time. And 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 there's a teenager. So if I could just be if I could just be an adult, a young adult, that's you know, when I could just get free, move out of the home, have my own family. Boy, won't that be awesome when I could just get to that place and then you get there and you realize there's bills and there's there's pressures and there's a new set of struggles in life. And if I could just get beyond this working life of going in every day, I'm so tired. If I could just get to retirement, if we just get to retirement, then it'll all be good. And you get to retirement, you realize, now what do I do? I got all this time and I'm, I'm getting bored. And, you know, uh, there's only so much, uh, so many cups of coffee that you can do in the morning. And and, and you get to retirement, and you realize, what's the next step? You realize we wish our lives away, hope our lives away. But as believers, we have a new hope. We really do. And unfortunately, we don't focus on it so much because we have so many things around us. But for them, Paul says, one of your purposes in your faith, this faith that is so exemplary and, and commendable, is the fact that you are waiting, that you have a new hope, you have a, a confident expectation, you have a sustained expectation, Jesus Christ is coming back again. What a wonderful hope. The lost man does not have that. Go ask 10 of them on the street. They are not looking forward to Jesus returning. They might know about it, but it's not a hope in their heart. It doesn't bring any joy in their heart. It doesn't bring them any relief from the stress of this life. For the believer, it's a blessed hope. Jesus is coming again to wait for his son from heaven to sustain uh, have a sustained expectation this became a purpose in their life a new purpose in their life was in found inside of this hope this hope that god had put in their hearts the bible tells us in titus that it is our blessed hope it's a blessed hope for the glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ and that hope purifies us friends let's Let's remember that this week. Let's be expecting Jesus Christ to come. 1 John 3, 3 says that the man that has this hope in him purifies himself. He sets himself apart. He walks more godly because of having this hope. You know, they had a commendable faith. Maybe we underestimate how much had changed in their lives so very quickly. They didn't know about Paul before. He wasn't like some sort of circus act coming into town. They put up posters like, hey, everyone's going to be at, at this. This this was a this was a little Roman Jewish man who came into town with the message of Jesus Christ. And the difference is he had the Holy Spirit of God upon his life. And when he preached, they listened and God was changing their hearts and their faith was ignited. And it wasn't just something that, you know, Paul had to coax them along. Their faith was notable, it was active, and it had transformed their lives, giving them new purpose and new hope. These folks were exemplary. These folks were to be commended for their faith. And you and I can be as well. Now, this verse has come up a couple times this week. But I want us to turn to Romans chapter 10. And I'm going to end it here. How can you and I grow in our faith this week? Romans chapter 10. How can you and I be commendable in our faith this week? How can we make sure that we are growing in our faith? I believe every one of us would have in our heart as a desire, Lord, I want to grow in faith. I want to grow in my trust. I think I heard that in one of the testimonies. Sometimes we don't trust very well. It's hard to trust. All right, how are we going to grow in this matter of our faith? And we're going to read this out loud together. Romans 10 
and verse number 17. Ready? Are you all there? Okay. Romans 10 and verse number 17. Ready? Begin. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's just bring it right back down there. You and I are going to have commendable faith. There are two times in, in this first chapter that we see the, the direct influence of the word of God upon their faith, their growing active faith. You and I won't have it apart from the word of God. It, it can't be a book on the shelf that we know about. It has to be words that we know. We can't just know, we can't just know about the Bible. It has to be the, the specifics of the Bible. The word logos refers to all of, all of Scripture. The word rhema refers to the specifics of Scripture, the specific verses. It's not just good enough to know the Word of God. I have a Bible. I have a nice Bible. And, and, and boy, what a wonderful thing. I need to know verses from that Bible. Verses that will strengthen my faith through despair. Verses that will strengthen my faith through temptation. They had a commendable faith, but it was based on what? And that's what our faith has to be based on. And so let's make sure that we do really well this week at just being good Christians, commendable Christians, by being in this book and having this book in our hearts. Very simple. May the Lord help us with that. Father, as your people tonight, we submit to you. We realize that we need your word. And oh, how easy it is to neglect it and to get busy and to not focus on it like we need to. Forgive us and help us to grow in this regard. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. And I want to invite you to find a place to pray tonight in the quiet of this, uh, of this moment. I want you to find a place to pray. Maybe you kneel there at your seat. That's fine. But let's, let's find a place to pray and commit this to the Lord. Lord, I want to grow my faith. And so therefore, Lord, I want to be in your word. Lord, would you grant me a faith that's notable, active, transformative as I seek you in your word this week?
pray that you've stirred our hearts and we ask that you'd help us to put this into practice this week. And Lord, I pray that you would impact neighbors and family members through our lives as we just walk by faith with you, as we allow you to deepen our faith. And Lord, we just ask that you would enable our, our instruments to be Christ-like and to be effective. And so we, we just ask that you'd work through us and we give you praise for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet and thanks for being here tonight. Brother Mike, it's you. We're going to be up at the youth conference for the teenagers. You guys want to bring up my kids for that. It's schools, the school timing hasn't worked out for everyone, so that's uh, uh, we'll try to address that for next year. But um, we're going to be up there on Wednesday, and so um, if you do, you can um, you can tune into that youth conference live for Thursday and Friday night. There'll be a gathering here on Wednesday night as normal. We'll be back together on Sunday, and then we are going to take some li um, vacation later on in the in the month. And uh, lined up some preachers that are our favorites here um, to be here with us on Sunday. Some of our own folks on Wednesday nights, and so we'll just continue to gather together and rejoice in the Lord. But it was it was uh, thank you uh, very very much. Um, this this past week marks eight years just being um, here in the, the church, but. 16, I guess, um, here at the church in total, but thank, thanks to the Lord for the time that we've had together. Praise his name. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.